great. I mean, first of all, his delivery was awesome. Um, the stuff was really good, too. Uh, Changeup's going to be a big, a big pitch for him, uh, especially against those righties. Uh, I thought everything that he was set out to do today, he did. Fastball command was there, slider was sharp. Um, really, really good first outing for him. But um, Changeup is its a credit to him because he's worked really hard on it. Sure, I mean, when you're, you're looking at, you know, 1-0 counts, things like that, where I think the league kind of has gotten pretty used to how he pitches with his stuff. Um, it could be behind in counts too, getting early weak contact uh, allows him to get deeper into games, I think, you know, limit his pitches a little bit. Um, obviously he has a strikeout potential, but I think getting, getting weak contact either when he's behind or kind of even in counts is going to be big for him. That was manager John Schneider of the Toronto Blue Jays. Uh, you really don't need to know that the Jays beat the Pirates 8-4 yesterday. Uh, what you do need to know, what? what you do need to know is that you say Kikuchi pitched three innings, gave up a hit, three strikeouts, and Kevin Barker ran out a new changeup that's got everybody excited and everybody talking about. Yeah, I don't a spike know. Spike changeup instead of a uh, split finger changeup. Yeah, the, the the first thing I thought of is is why? Like, were you pitch in the rotation? how your year went last year, the confidence that you built with the three pitches that you've, I don't want to say mastered, but you feel confident in throwing them anytime, right? Like he likes yep. the curveball now. He likes the slider. Uh, he'll throw either one of those to either side of the plate, whether it's a lefty or a righty, and the velocity on the on the fastball is consistent. That's a big deal. And then you hear John talking there. I That's the one thing, right? It sounds like, he won't swing and miss with it. That would mean he has to throw it for strikes and keep it down. Can he consistently do that in even counts or behind in counts to right-handed hitters? Right-handed hitters, the American League East, and, you know, some of the teams that he's going to be facing, especially early in the season, got some pretty good right-handed hitters. So he's got to be real fine with that. You know, I'm sure he's not going to abuse it. It's not something he's going to throw 15, 20 times a game. It'll be a little element of surprise. Maybe get his mechanics back on track hmm. because of the arm speed to allow him to be able to throw, you know, the the fastball a little bit more, the breaking ball a little bit more, the slider a little bit more. But you know, it's nice to hear a guy have enough confidence in mechanics to where he's not thinking about that anymore. That was the little, you know, his downfall or his speed bump was the mechanics. Start and stop. How do I repeat it? How does everything look the same? Well, he's mastered that. You can tell he's got a lot of confidence in that. Now he's trying to build off of his year last year. We'll see how it goes. You know, it's, there's some unknowns there. You know, Sometimes you don't like hearing that just because he's a lefty that throws hard. You like that. Stick with that. You know, don't don't get tricky. But now they're trying to add a little bit more, which I guess is okay. Now, the thing with this, and we talked about this before the show, and I asked you, okay, the difference between the spike grip and the split-fingered grip, and you think it comes down to velocity, that the spike grip allows there to be a greater separation between his fastball and the changeup, which you want. But you also talked about, effectively, is it easier on him when he's in the set position or whatever to 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 make the move with the finger? Because you were talking about the difference in grips, which... I mean, that's essentially what he's done here. Is he threw it? He he had a split fingered grip he used last year. He yeah, didn't throw stunk. it as much. It stunk. It stunk. I mean, say, yeah. say it the way exactly. it was. Right. He was trying to get swing and miss with that. Right. From but Rikers. now he's got what they call spike grip. Yeah. Finger this, on the on the seams. He's got one finger on the seam. Right. It, again, 
I, I get back to that. Why are you throwing it? Like, what's the purpose in this? And it just sounds to to me like he he's using it to get either a swing and miss, a little bit of element of surprise, or a take for strike one, right? John mentioned that. If you're right. behind an behind account, 1-1, one, one, or you're even in the count, 1-1, one, 2-2, one, two, two, you know, you might throw that to a dude because he knows sort of what you're – you're trying to do to him and, and what you did in the past. And you know, everybody's, everybody sort of has their, their thing to where they're, they're trying to adjust to the league. Me, I don't want my fourth or fifth dude to get cute. I think this is a hard thrown lefty. Like stick with that. But again, I, I just don't think, I think Pete Walker and the khakis and the game planning is going to be smart enough that they're not going to abuse it. They'll throw it when they're supposed to be throwing it. And you know, he won't get hurt on it. If he keeps it down, he can keep it in the strike zone. And it, the way it was yesterday, the split finger grip is 88 to 89. Yesterday That's a was, BP heater. Yeah. Yesterday it was 83, 84. Yeah. That's 10 or 11 mile an hour That's difference what you between want. the fastball. Absolutely. Yeah. But it's got to be a strike. That's the whole thing. So that grip, if that allows him to be able to do that, good for him. Uh, basically, yes, yesterday, with every, everybody, it, it was Major League Pitching Day. Chris Bassett. Uh, Jordan Romano, Chad Green, Jimmy Garcia, Tim Meza, Yenesis uh, Cabrera with three strikeouts, Jay's bullpen, nine strikeouts. Well, I'm, I'm including, well, Bassett didn't have a strikeout, but the Jays relievers came out uh, and got nine strikeouts. Again, it's spring. Don't want to read too much into it. But, um, you know, I'm just not, I'm just not worried about the pitching on any level. And unless, it, look, if someone gets hurt, okay, then we... But as it is right now, Kevin, and I know you, you've talked about the bullpen. You'd like to see. I don't know why. I'm just not worried. I don't even, yeah, I don't even think about I'm it. Not worth, I, I'm not worried about the bullpen until like, till it's playoff time. Like the, bull, right. the, the bullpen for me is not good enough to win a World Series. Like it's not. Like you can say it any way you want to say it. It's not. Like they'll have to add to that. And they will do that. They've, they've shown you that they'll make the moves when it comes to the pitching it was good enough to be able to compete to at least give themselves a chance. Oh, it's offensively. Like mm -hmm. it, uh, that that's the one thing that stood out and man, it is very it's it's real. I know, I know you threw this to the pitching and we're trying to stay away from the offense and and No, we're not. You know, there, there's there's a lot of people excited about the Blue Jays, which they should be, but there's some giant unknowns when it comes to the offense offensive side of it. And I I've always been told <laughs> that you got one chance to make a first impression. And I listened to Vladdy talk about, you know, the shape, and I got the new trainer and, you know, the, the new mechanics, and it's not moving as much. Looked like Groundhog Day to me. Uh, the, the, the Pittsburgh Pirates told you yesterday he had two at-bats. He saw seven pitches. Yeah. He saw six fastballs. Inside. <laughs> no. He got his first at-bat. He saw two fastballs up, which he no likey. Right. Because mechanics, and it's too early to get in the mechanic part of it. He had the little jam shot to left, and he's all pumped up about it. And then he had three fastballs center cut right down the middle that he's three days late on, and he's very excited about uh, the little pop foul line out to right field. He's running off field. He's excited about that. That's the thing. For me, that's where it's at. Give you some numbers. 2021, he hit 26 homers and hit 366 off the fastball. 2021. That's when Vladdy was Vladdy. Boy, mm -hmm. I can't wait to see that all the time. 2022, 18 homers and 292 average. Starting to go down, right? That's so a it's, it's not, it's significant not, drop. Absolutely. Last year, 
12 homers and 272 average. Now, everybody's saying, well, you know, average doesn't matter. It does when we talk about Vladdy, at least I have. I've been very stubborn, you know me, talking about Vladdy as a top 20 offensive player in baseball. I'm going to raise my hand right now, and I'm going to stop doing that. Vladdy is not a, until he can get back to somewhat of that 366 guy and actually be able to do things with a fastball. This early in spring training, especially the way the conversation is around him. But I thought pitchers were already ahead of hitters. We're were always ahead of hitters, aren't they? Look at the highlights on the MLB now. I know he was. When 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 you see the elite offensive players destroying fastball, look at Soto. Soto took a fastball up and away from Trevor Richards and hit it off the scoreboard in left center field. Dudes are ready for that. It's mechanics, it's timing off the secondary stuff. You should look like you're ready to go if you're one of those elite offensive players on velocity. And for whatever reason, we just don't see that. So it's, I got to be honest with you. I will, this is just me. I will no longer talk about Vladdy as a top 20 offensive player in baseball. He's a top 50 guy. 25 and 95 don't grow on trees. I'm not going to poo-poo that. Well, if you look at they all, don't, they if, don't. if you look at all the, you know, whatever we may think about rankings. I mean, rankings are just a statement of opinion. But if you look at all the rankings that were done in the offseason, whether it's MLB.com or MLB Network or whomever, nobody's got Vladdy in the top yeah. 30. 272 average with 12 homers. That's 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 just not good enough. Like, it's just not. And whether that's mechanics, whether that's game planning, I'm at the point now I don't care what it is. Like, if you're that good of an offensive player, the way you speak about yourself, the way people around you speak about you, show us. And we just don't consistently do that. And I think the Pittsburgh Pirates telling you that they're not afraid to throw, air quotes, your best offensive player, six fastballs and seven pitches tells you all you need to know. The, did, I, uh, did I say it well enough to nice enough? Well, you weren't nice enough, enough in the season. Well, I mean, it's I mean, you were like the last. Uh, you know, I'm going to have to like. I'm, I'm step up as a Vladdy defender here now. Now that you're down on him, I am. Uh, the the Jays. The Jays are in Lakeland today to take on the Detroit Tigers. Uh, no TV or radio coverage. Alec Manoa making a start. Man, makes sense. You think there's something to that, I that the Jays are hiding? Oh, I, I, I know there is. <laughs> man, oh, man, you like... Uh, well, it's a, don't, God, don't you, act, don't, you brought don't my, act, my daubers down in here, man. Like, my act, daubers down. Don't act like you have never Ernie been to Clement. spring training and, and, and teams are trying to hide certain guys. Come on. Yeah, I, I mean, there's... Come on. Every now and then there is, there's a reason that stuff is done the way it's done. Generally, you go and hide them in a minor league game. But anyhow, Whatever. Point is, this is the Jays lineup. Ernie Clement, it's uh, Clement Escobar, Kirk Vogelback, Horowitz Martinez, Roden Lantigua, Robertson, Alec Manoa on the mound. Uh, I don't know if there's anybody else scheduled the pitch that you really need to worry about coming out of that. Um, so, yeah, Alec Manoa will mm-hmm. start uh, in Lakeland. I have no idea. You're going to ask me what I'm looking for. I have no idea. Like, I, I think it's, you know what I think? I, well, the let, hitters that let, the, me, let me just, let me take it a little different. We always talk about velocity, velocity is spring training. I mean, you got to take it. You need to see velocity from him today, or do you need I, to see all, all the all the things that Pete Walker talked about? You know, moving on the mound, um, staying in the lane, all, all of that stuff. Are you more, what do you think Pete will be looking at? I think, probably the I, think, way to say I think you should look more at the hitter. Then how he's reacting. Look, absolutely. Okay. 
Good point. Because that'll tell you what. I don't really care what his velocity is. I, you know, when he was really good in that first spring training, it wasn't 99. It was 94. He's throwing it right by people. Why, did, why was he doing that? Let's see if the hitter will tell you that he's capable of doing that, and that'll be an interesting look. Uh, hey, you know what we should do? Mm. Let's pick at a scab today. Shohei Otani is making his uh, first start for the Dodgers. What is that? Shohei Otani is making his first start for the Dodgers today. It was going to happen at some time, folks. Some, sometime, folks. Uh, going to uh, not pitch, obviously. He's going to be in the lineup today uh, for the L.A. Dodgers against the Chicago White Sox. This is the Dodgers lineup. Man. Mookie Betts, Shohei Otani, Freddie Freeman. <laughs> Boy, at that point, you might as well just call the game. Yeah. Will Smith, Max Mun- Muncy, Teoscar Hernandez, who's like, he's like a landmine in the sixth spot. 30. Jason yeah. Hayward, Miguel Rojas, Jose Ramos, uh, Bobby Miller on the mound. Man. They're going to score lots of runs. Jason Stark uh, of The Athletic joins us. Jason, thanks so much uh, for joining Blair and Barker today. I mean, you teed this up perfectly, my friend, with your article in the, on The Athletic <laughs> website, which I read this morning. And actually, I'm going to tell you something. I'm going to tell you something. God's honest truth, Bat. I, I came in on the go train today. Uh-oh. And uh, I guess I can give the athletic a little <laughs> Absolutely. The dude crossed the way, talking to his friend, showing him the athletic article, and they're talking about Otani. And I'm not going to say the, the word that the guy dropped uh, about, about you're clearly a baseball <laughs> fan. I'm not going to say the word that he dropped. Why'd you do that, Jason? Why'd you do it? Like, what the hell? What's up with you? Why? We forgot about this. I mean, there's so many ways you could have gone in your visit to the Jays camp. I mean, I like the Manoa wedding thing. That yeah. was wonderful. It was nice. And then, you know, it's like you had to peel away and a little bit of salt. And You're better than that, Jason. <laughs> <laughs> hey, happy spring training to you guys, too. Um, I, I'm going to tell you something. It was really fun to do that story. Um, I know there was a lot of pain in the moment, but I, I, that that team has moved past the pain. Mm-hmm. And the stories they told about that weekend were so hilarious that how could I not write them down and share them with the world? You know what? That's all it's- I'm doing there, Jeff, I- I'm the world's messenger. I'll tell you, and the great thing about it is, though, the guys you spoke to are the guys who knew. Yeah. They took it in the right. They took it in the right frame of mind. I thought. I thought thought Manoa was funny. I wasn't. So funny. Uh, Like, I I wasn't aware when when I set out to do this story that that was Alec Manoa's destination wedding weekend. Uh, And that so many of his teammates were there. But those guys were so. So laugh out loud, funny, just running me through the whole weekend. Jordan Romano, like, I think he's got a future in our business. Oh, he does. I do. Huh? He, he really took great, great, great pride in gathering the news as, as fake as it all turned out to be. He was a source of information throughout the day for his friends and teammates. And I admired that uh, Manoa talking about walking down the aisle to get married and stopping to commiserate with his teammates that they didn't get Otani is an all-time classic. The whole thing was just 
it was entertaining to do. I'm, I'm sorry if I opened any wounds. No, I'm, I'm, I'm having I'm having fun with you. I mean, I look. I think a, a lot of Jays <laughs> fans have moved past it. I'm going to urge huh? people to read it because it, it is a it is a trip. Barker and I were it's great. Barker and I were were yeah. uh, were, were killing ourselves laughing. Hey, one thing I did want to ask you all before I pass well, this on hey, to Kevin. Let me, let me just ahead. say though. Yeah, yeah. What, let me just say one more thing. Like, yeah, yeah. One more reason to write that piece is, you know, I, I, I spent two days in their camp. Right. And I, I think this is going to be a hell of a team. Mm. And all anybody seems interested in is who's not there <laughs> yet. Mm. Um, if you if you look at the the players who take the field, if you look at the names on the roster, if you look at the projections and ask other teams about the projections for this season, the Blue Jays are going to win a lot of games unless something goes horribly mm-hmm. wrong. Um, and that was the other reason to write what I wrote, to remind people that they might be focused on the wrong narrative, and obviously that includes me. Yeah, well, and this is where I was, I was going to ask you because it's always I, I always find it interesting – because we, of course, you know, we've heard that the Jays have turned the page. I mean, this is an organization that has, you know, spent the entire offseason turning the page, whether it's from, uh, you know, the decision with Barrios. I mean, all of that stuff. So I'm used to hearing everybody sure. turn the page. And I think when our, in our industry, every team that did not have a good year turns the page and moves on, et cetera. But it's interesting when, when, when a national writer who doesn't spend every day talking about or being around a team comes into camp and gets, you know, I think in some ways you get a more accurate read. And, you know, from a couple other people I've spoken to, I mean, I really do get the sense, and maybe it's because this is an older team, it's not a young team, mm-hmm. I really get the sense these guys have moved on. I, I, mm-hmm. I really do. Well, I, I mean, all I can tell you is that I, I talked to a lot of players, um, and I really did like the vibe. Uh, I liked the look of say how Vladdy looked, how Bobichette looked, um, how Alec Manoa looked, you know, like everybody loves to write those best shape of their lives stories in spring training. I, I, I know a lot of it's baloney, but it, it told me something in the case of those three players in particular. Um, yeah, they look great, but how did that happen? It happens because there's a commitment to be better. Mm-hmm. Don't you think that yep. that's what they're chasing. And, um, Vladdy, Bo, uh, especially those two guys are they're, seriously, they're literally entering their prime. Now there's a lot more there. Um, and I, I do think there's tremendous upside in the group and in the offense in particular. And the projections tell us this, you know, the baseball perspectives, Bakota system, the only teams in the American league that they project to win more games than the Jays are the Yankees and the Astros. Who's not pictured there. The team that won the world series, the Rangers, they're not in that discussion. Uh, the Orioles, the team that won 101 games. They're not in that discussion. The, the, the talent that the Blue Jays put on the field should make them better than those two teams and virtually every team in the American League if things go according to plan. They just have to make that happen. Jason, we're, all, we're always really tough on Vladdy. We're rarely really tough on George Springer. 
you think we should be a little bit tougher on George Springer? Well, if he has another year like he had last year, I think that's justified. I mean, I, I, I do think that George Springer is another one of those guys who legitimately wants to be great, yeah. who who legitimately is all about winning, uh, is a is a major leader in the room, in the group, and is a, is a guy that they all look to for energy and and veteran wisdom and and what it was like to win. Um, but he needs to play better. And so if he doesn't, um, I, I think that's a topic. I think it needs to be a topic because he's a really important player on that team. Uh, you were in Yankees camp today, I believe. Mm. Um, I am. We had a chance to see the Yankees and the Jays. Ooh. On uh, yeah, on Sunday, and got a chance to see Soto and Judge back to back. Our friends at the Yes Network, Jason, put this graphic up, um, and, and maybe I was more surprised than I should have been. But it said simply, players younger than Juan Soto, uh, who of course is going to be a free agent. I'm sorry, older than Juan Soto, who of younger course or older, older, older than Juan Soto. Sorry, who of course is going to be a free agent this year. Uh, at the end of the year. Adley Rushman, Lewis Robert, Jeremy Pena, Shane McClanahan, Josh Young, George Kirby. And there are three prospects on MLB Pipeline's 2024 list, top 100, uh, that are older than him. <laughs> uh, you know, yeah. <laughs> help. <laughs> right? How much money is he going right. to make next year? I think half a billion dollars is probably the uh, over-under, yep. don't you? Yeah. Um, it's good work if you can get it. <laughs> mm, yeah. um, you know, I had a, I, I had a column that ran last week, uh, my annual spring preview survey of uh, 31 really smart people all over baseball, and I dropped a line in there myself that in the, in the wide ball era, the only two players who had uh, – an adjusted OPS plus as good as Juan Soto and then got traded by age 25 were Juan Soto and Babe Ruth. And that's a fairly terrifying statement. I think if, if you're another ALEs team thinking what Juan Soto might do in that lineup in a contract year. Yeah. It's J- frightening. Jason, don't you have to pick the Yankees to win the American leagues? They have three top 10 best players in baseball on their team. Right. That's a lot. Yes. Uh, and <laughs> it is a lot. Yeah. Uh, just got finished talking to Garrett Cole, another guy who's driven to be great. Uh, Aaron Judge is grit, driven to be great. I think Juan Soto is driven to be special and also to make half a billion dollars. <laughs> um, so there, there is that. Uh, there, look, there are starting pitching questions about the Yankees that could undermine all of that. But one of my favorite things to do leading up to spring training when I get to spring training is to ask other teams, what are your projections show about the, about your league, about your division, about the other league? And when I ask executives of other teams what they think is going to happen in the AL East, they all have projected the Yankees to win the division. And there, there, there's a surprise.
surprising lack of buzz, I think, about the Yankees, mm-hmm. considering who they run out there. Um, there's that's some that's some serious star power. Yeah, it's interesting too in your survey. You know, it and and this is, I, I you know, I was. It's not even a mixed blessing for Blue Jays. Man, this is no blessing. But dude, of your survey of, of executives in the game asked to pick the most improved team in the American League. 24 picked the O's, 24 picked the Yankees. Thanks for coming. <laughs> <laughs> Stay hot. <laughs> Thanks for coming. Um, the good news is the Jays were not the least improved team. There were other teams that they selected as least improved. But then they also like the Justin Turner. Some, some executives like the Justin Turner contract signing as well. Yeah, I was, I was going to mention that. That you know, the, It's interesting to do that survey. It's a really fun exercise. I learn a lot. Um, you know, certain people reveal a lot. Others are very careful, but it, it, it does tell me something when I hear the teams that get them that attract their attention and the teams that don't. And the Jays were one of those teams that I, I honestly didn't talk about a lot with, the people I surveyed mm-hmm. and who didn't come up a lot in any of these categories, but Justin Turner is a guy who like he wouldn't be there if Otani was there. We know that, but Justin Turner knows where the secret sauce is made. You know, if Justin Turner's on your team, you're going to be better because of the way he connects with everyone on the roster and what he understands about how to play baseball, how to, how to hit, how to play situational baseball, how to win, what it takes to win. And he talks about it all the time. Um, you know, he's I just watching him around that team, watching him around the cage. I think he's going to make a big impact. Uh, he, he was a good player in Boston last year. I mean, he wasn't what he was five, six, seven years ago in LA, but he is a good player and a winning player. And I know the Red Sox felt that. And, you know, he was specifically looking for a place where he thought he could win and where he thought he could make a difference. And so it's not an accident that he's in Toronto from any perspective. Uh, speaking of the Red Sox, if you if you were you know being yelled at by a Red Sox fan, what advice would you give them about their season upcoming? <laughs> uh, Fenway is kind of a cool place to hang out. <laughs> you know, I, I don't know what else. To tell you. That's it. Huh? That's <laughs> it. Well, that's what. Hey, look, they're they're leaning into selling the Fenway experience because what else are they selling? Yeah. Um, who? Tell tell me. Who on that team you would pay the highest ticket prices in baseball to go watch? Raphael Devers and who else? Yeah, that's it. That's it, man. Yeah. I, 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 that's it. Yeah, that's, that's it. it. So what are, they, what are they doing? I understand that, um, that, you know, every team cycles through different phases. And I understand where their cycle is. But when the owner says kicking off the winner – we're going full throttle. And the biggest addition to your team is Lucas Giolito, who down the stretch went 2-10 and 10 with a 7 ERA. Um, I, that doesn't sound like the throttle was full to me. I don't know about you guys. No. I, I just don't understand what they're doing. I really don't, and I'm not alone. You yeah. know, I think back to when John Henry purchased Liverpool and – I were 
I cannot remember which Boston writer it was. Maybe it was Dan Shaughnessy, but somebody wrote essentially, you wonder, John Henry's a smart guy, but Liverpool's a big brand and you kind of wonder whether or not there's enough bandwidth there to take care of Liverpool and Boston. Yeah. I mean, in some ways, you know, they're, they're teams, they're, they're, they're cultural touchstones for their area. Like they, they're much, much more than sports teams. Then you toss $3 billion into professional golf. And, and I, I really wonder if, you know, Red Sox fans aren't looking at this and going, is John Henry just kind of losing interest in us? You know, I think that's a very convenient narrative, mm-hmm. and it's a really easy narrative for Red Sox fans to latch onto. I don't think that is true. Uh, I I don't. Um, I think they're just prioritizing the wrong stuff. Uh, they've really forgotten what has made their franchise special for so many years. And look, it's great to to build up the system. It's great to uh, to you know, add pieces to the puzzle around the edges. It's great to plot out your long-term future two, three, five, ten years down the road. Well, that's important. It's necessary. You know what? Mm-hmm. The, the smart teams all do it. But when you open the gates and you sell tickets, what are people going to see? There has been star power on the roster of the Red Sox since Ted Williams showed up. And I can't remember a time like this when there was not. And how can you not understand the meaning of that to your fan base? Um, I was actually in Boston the week that they traded Mookie Betts. And I really felt like one of the reasons that the fan base got so angry about that and walked around in in the kind of days that they did was they understand what that meant. Mm -hmm. It was a, it was a a turning point in the arc of the franchise, you know, that the fans understood that for as long as they could remember the Red Sox were the team that signed guys like Mookie um, traded for guys like Mookie and certainly kept guys like Mookie if they developed them. And that was a moment in time where that wasn't happening anymore. And, and why was that exactly? It was never really explained and it was never really, they never filled the hole and all that's happened since has been a slide away from, from what they used to be before that moment in time. Yeah. Listen, you know, there are trades in, in a lot of sports, when they happen, you you really, you, you just kind of wonder how a team responds to it. I mean, I, you know, living in Montreal and, and working in Montreal when Patrick Waugh was traded. That, that franchise, I mean, yeah, the carry prices, but I mean, the downfall of that franchise, if if you want, if you want to go with that narrative, you can look at the Patrick Waugh deal and, and, and say that's, I mean, sometimes there are athletes that when you move on from them, they're really, there's an impact. And it's an impact that maybe can't be made up by right. saying, well, we can take the money and buy three guys with that. Well, maybe not. <laughs> maybe not. <laughs> yeah. That's, like that's a rationalization that is as old as time. Yep. You know, the team that, that, that trades away that megastar um, always says that. Yeah. <laughs> and it's it, like there's, a, there's something that goes with star power that those three 
pieces that you plug in doesn't replace. Uh, I was just talking to Garrett Cole about it this morning. Um, like that's a guy who is driven to be great, uh, who is driven to be the ace of the New York Yankees. Um, and because of that drive, other people around him get caught up in it. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a like there's a ripple effect. Like Kevin, you know this is true, right? There's a ripple effect when you have great players in your mix who who drive others to be great. Uh, and like that, I, it's not just about selling your product to your fan base. There's also that aspect to it that is not replaceable. Yep. Am I right? Absolutely. Yep. Absolutely. Last question before I let you run. You've been really uh, gracious with your time. Um, Cody Bellinger is re-signed with the Cubs while waiting, pending, pending physical, I guess. Is that an L for Scott Boris? Or is it a little more complicated than than simply saying that? No, I think that's a a loss. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Considering what he was looking for when the offseason began. Uh, You know, I heard 12 years. I heard 10 years. He got three, three years with with opt-outs after every year. Um, is that what he was looking for? Um, he, this was a winner where Scott had, I want to say, nine free agents mm-hmm. whose price tag was way out of line with how the rest of the sport viewed the players. And like, like it's, it, when the fact that Cody Bellinger wasn't signed and Jordan Montgomery still isn't signed, and Blake Snell still isn't signed, and uh, we can go keep going down the list. It's not a reflection on the talent of the players. It's a reflection on the asking price of the agent. Um, and so Scott didn't come close to getting his price. So I don't know how we're defining loss, but that seems to me to be a loss, uh, even though the like the player can come out of it and do just fine. And the team that signed him is happy to have him. Uh, and he's probably thrilled to be there from what I gather. Um, but this is not what a 28 year old free agent who has Scott Boris as an agent expected going into the winter because the agent told him what to expect and didn't get that. Jason, really appreciate yeah. you doing this, man. Thanks so much. Safe travels in spring training and uh, and happy spring training. Yeah. Happy Thanks, spring buddy. training. Thank you. <laughs> happy spring training. Back to you guys. Take Glad care. we're doing this again. Absolutely. Thank Take you. care, Jason. Jason Stark of the Athletic. And you re- the article on on uh, and I was just kidding about picking it a scab. The article on Otani is funny. Like uh, first of all, well, Alec Manoa's destination wedding and the pitchers were there. That's all you need to. Uh, that, that's all you need to know. It, it, it's a terrific read. And uh, I got to move on from it anyhow. Mm-hmm. What the heck? Mm-hmm. Um, I want to talk about Chris Bassett, speaking of pitchers, and we'll do that after we take our break. It's Blair and Barker on The Fan and Sportsnet. Dive deep into Toronto sports and the NFL. The J.D. Bunkus podcast. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, well, we've got some uh, uh, rather difficult news from uh, Dunedin. Uh, 
from Shai Davidi. Uh, and I'll just read it directly. Eric Swanson's son, Toby, who was four, was hit by a car Sunday. He was airlifted to hospital and, quote, is on the road to recovery, said manager John Schneider. Uh, Swanson will be away from the Jays for a while. Family comes first, said Schneider. Our love, support, and prayers are with Eric Madison and Toby and the rest of the Swanson family. Yep. We certainly uh, we certainly echo those sentiments Absolutely. from John Schneider. So, Can't imagine uh, that. No, uh, no. Hmm. So Eric Swanson will be away from the team uh, for a while. Um, wanted to talk about Chris Bassett after yesterday's game. Chris Bassett coming on in uh, relief. What did he do? Two innings, maybe. Two innings, I think. Find it, Jeff. Two innings, one hit. Yeah. Uh, but as usual, it was kind of what he, it's. It was what he said. Uh, I could, I've changed my mind on Chris Bassett. Last year, we talked about Chris Bassett, and it seemed to needy. me like he was the type of guy that would just reveal a little too much when he spoke to you. He was and very, very needy, right? Yeah, very needy. <laughs> that was your word, and it was a good word. Absolutely. We, we mentioned it to Pete Walker, and he snickered. Yeah, very, <laughs> very needy. Very needy. Uh, well, we know now that there's a lot behind what Chris Bassett says, and we we know now that you know, he's not, it's not just verbiage. He's a thinker. And he actually has a way of explaining what's going on with him. Um, yesterday, he did an in-game interview. This is the in-game interview, correct? Thank you, Lance. Yep. Yesterday, he did an in-game interview. Uh, and I just want to play this clip from it because it gives you a good insight into how pitchers like what they are trying to do in spring training and how it changes over the course of their mm-hmm. career. Chris, how do you tackle this offseason? Because each of the last three years, you set a new career high in innings pitched. Are, are you doing different things to manage your arm with the fact that you have pushed it to a new level each of the last three seasons? Yeah, I mean, for sure. I think it's just uh, being comfortable, um, understanding how long spring training is and how, how, what I need to do to kind of have my body physically ready to, to uh, be ready for spring. Um, and not overdo it. I mean, obviously, when you're young, you want to impress a lot of guys early in camp. You want to be throwing really hard, and you want to kind of show off a little bit. But now I'm pretty comfortable with myself and obviously with the guys on the team, and they they understand that 35 years old, I can't really do what I'm doing at 25 years old. So Hmm. um, overall, I would say it's just being comfortable. All I'll say is Chris Bassett, wait till you're 55. Um, Well, he won't be pitching. He'd be be on some show talking about baseball and breaking down pitching. and It's... Watching him yesterday and hearing him yesterday uh, talk about it, it, it's interesting now because now that we've seen him for a year, we have a little context to put behind his words. And you made this point. He's, he's just, he's a smart dude. Like he, he is, he is an interesting guy to hear talk about how he goes about his craft because with him, it is a craft. Yeah, well, I, th- I think it's a credit, too, about the the conversations off the field about the expectations around the rotation. They say all the time that they're expected to give them 200 innings. Now, again, they may not do that because Chris Bassett was a career higher in innings last year with the 200. 
it might be a little lofty expectations. But that's the thought, right? I mean, it, you ask any player, they have goals going into the season. Mm-hmm. He's no different. And that's how you sort of work your entire process. And there's that word again. Yep. Process about how you go about getting to your ultimate goal. And if you get to it because you're really good at what your craft is, will ultimately help your team get to where you ultimately want to go as an organization and as a team and as a staff and that sort of trickle down effect. So I, I, he's really in tune. He's really in tune with himself. Like that sounds like a cliche, but it's true. He's really in tune with himself, his body, and what he needs to do. Yeah, it's like it's it's little things like he it's it's pitches not counts. I mean, he said right. that. It, you know, I, we didn't play that part of it, but it's it's sort of that thing, right? It's him saying that he threw pitches yesterday in counts that he would never do that in in the regular season and you start thinking about like younger teams trying to attack him how would you even do it like he's got eight pitches now he doesn't throw eight pitches if he's got the sinker and cutter going but you know he's capable of throwing those pitches if you're a hitter it's the change of speeds it's the unpredictability it's the it's the movement on those pitches it's you know he may feel comfortable throwing five of the eight a lot in one start. The next start may be against the same team, but he's only throwing three of those. Like, you just don't really know how to attack. Do you look locations? He's so unpredictable when it comes to everything that goes into that. And for him to be able to push the button, get it locked in, throw it, understand what the bat was telling you, what the hitter told you, what he, how he's trying to set up the next pitch, three pitches after the next pitch, and be able just to keep it in flow. And it's about staying away from damage on what that hitter can maximize what he's trying to do against a certain pitch. It's a lot. Yeah. And to be able to do it the way he does it and – just the pitcher, catcher relationship, be able to game plan against that, really not having a tremendous game plan going in, which allows him to feed off of what the hitter's telling you is, I, I mean, I, I... What I liked also last it's year... It's crazy. It, it is. What, it's I, crazy. What, what I liked last year as well was all the talk about the pitch calm and the clock and all that... We saw him turn, and 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 uh, Ben Shulman and um, and Buck talked about this yesterday. We saw him turn that into a weapon for him, using the clock. Like, just I'll take the I'll take the ball, right? We'll take the we'll, we'll I'm not not going to throw the pitch. We'll take the ball. We'll take. We'll move on. He turned that into a weapon because now you're standing at the plate going, "Wait a minute, this dude actually just gave me a ball. Like he he gave me a a free." pitch because he, he didn't yeah, feel like back, throwing it, the ball. Yeah, no, no. That, see, now, I, I might want to disagree with that. I Again, I think you have to realize the word damage. He's not he's not a, he, he's not going to overpower you. He's going to outthink you. He's going to throw off your timing. Uh, the, that's However that's the yeah. whole gist of pitching. He is a pitcher to that word. You can't say it loud enough. And his ultimate, you hear that with Gosman a lot too, is he determines whether he has a good outing on exit velocity. Mm-hmm. Bassett's no different. Yep. It, it's like the dude that walks to the plate wants to have maximum damage in that game. How do I combat that with however I do it? You know, 
Bassett and Gosman to it in two different ways. One's trying to punch you out. One's trying to get you out front, frustrate you so much that he is eliminated you because of the way he attacks you in the first at bat. Like, it is a chess match to the nth degree. And just listening to him talk, the first time I heard him talk is because I saw him taking tape and putting it on quadrants of the strike zone. Right, and you could see it. the catcher's head going way around in circles and just trying to think about it. And I was standing there watching that. It was crazy. And now listening by being able to watch it actually play out, it's pretty cool. And now listen to him talk. Good for him. Yeah, it it is. As I said, once you see a guy for a while, you begin to be able to take what he is saying and apply it by and, and and put it in context because because you've seen him pitch so often. Yep. Um and and that's make, make you wonder a perfect l- example. Make you wonder listening to him talk and listening to because we've actually seen the rotation yeah. be really good. Man, if they can hit now I want and I want to I want to end the show by bringing it back to where we started with Jason Stark. We had we had a lot of fun with Jason talking about talking about Shohei Otani. Um, and and uh, and like I said, I find it interesting when you talk to talk to guys who aren't around the team on a daily basis because they will get you come into a situation. And I mean, I've done it as a reporter. You come into a situation and you sense things about a team that people who've been there for three weeks don't. And that's that's just. It's normal. Yep. And I've kind of felt all along with the Otani thing. You know, look, I do think the Jays players, I think players are wired differently now. I think they've turned the page. Bo's got a hit. Vladdy's got, both of those guys have got to make their money. Like, they, everybody's got something they're going on. They're not worried about Shohei Otani. Very individual. Al, Alec Manoa's got to reestablish himself. I mean, all this, we can go down. Everybody's got something yeah. going on. I mean, I, I said ultimately, the thing I want to know is... You know, I, I want to see, because I, I think a winning team is what sells tickets. I think there are very few individual players in baseball who sell tickets. Um, Shohei Otani is the only guy I could think of that would make people go out to buy tickets. Mm-hmm. So I want to see what the, what the luxury seat sales are like this year. Mm. I think we'll get a sense of where Jays fans are mm-hmm. there. And, you know, I understand the business fan is different than the, than the, the average fan that, the, the impact, you know, the, the, the people who are spending tickets in, in the, the two upper levels at the Rogers Center, they're different than the people who are going to be buying the corporate tickets. I get all that. But also the other thing, you know, like the, we know that the TV ratings have been really good early in spring training. Yep. Probably no surprise. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, I, I just I, – I really – I was looking forward to having somebody go into camp and sort of take the, the temperature of the team – who isn't around there on a daily basis just to see if what I'm the sense I'm getting is is the sense I'm getting. And and I, I really do think they've moved on from it. Yeah, I guess. I look, I, I think they baseball they, players are optimists. You have to be an optimist, right? Because if you're 0 for 4, you go into the next day thinking, I just I just need a couple of hits today. I think baseball players are optimists. Sometimes I, I, we forget that. I, I think there's a there's a little bit more put on certain guys than there is other guys, right? They're like the middle of that order, top of that order. Oh, they got to do a lot. They can't do a little. Like it's, I mean, Buck talked about this yesterday, the damage at bats. Like those are big deals. Like We saw it yesterday, first and third, no outs. Mm-hmm. Instead of scoring one run, you got to score at least two and maybe three runs. Right. Can they do that? Bases loaded, no outs. Can you score 
like, can somebody hit the grand slam more often, right? It's those damage at bats. And I just continue to come back to the same person. And it's a lot to ask. I understand it. And this is what I said. Maybe when I asked Jason about the George Springer thing, look, if, if you, it, if they gave George Vladimir Guerrero Jr. the same contract that they gave George and Vladdy had the first two years that George has had, people wouldn't like that. So what so why do we give George Springer a hall pass? That that's uh, uh, Dalton Varsho can do 20 and 70. Like it's just not good enough. This this is the point. When you don't get Otani's of the world, now it comes full circle all the way back around to the people you brought in before that, and whether those people like it or not, the expectations oh, have went through the roof both you, for them to do things. Both you and Jason made made the point about, about George Springer, and, and, I mean, I'm with you. Um, you know, I think, I mean, again, I've said, I don't think there's any such thing as a contract that can't be traded because we saw Vernon Wells' contract traded. But there... George Springer really does need to step up this year. I mean, he really does. We've gone, and yet we said in the past that all we wanted was for him to be healthy so that healthy for the playoffs. You know, we wanted playoff George. This year he's, this year he has to be a contributor. Playoff starts in April. Uh, that is it for us again. Uh, we'll be back tomorrow, though, from 11 to noon Eastern on Sportsnet 590 Fan And Sportsnet, as always, you can get us via podcast wherever you get your favorite podcast. Have yourself a great day. We'll chat tomorrow morning.